This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 326 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you by the USPEA on the Horse Radio Network. This is Regina Cristo from Sand Lake, New York. And this is Lindsay McCall from Jupiter, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Coming up on today's show, we chat with USEF Director of Sports, Will Connell, about growing, and we also are going to be speaking with Kathy Alm, who is the CEO of, of TAF, the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship International, about the Centers of Excellence. Gina, how how's everything been going? Everything's been great. It's been a busy summer. It's almost hard to believe it's uh, closing in on us here a little bit in the end of August. Up here in New York, upstate New York, I can almost see some leaves changing. So you know oh, what that man. means. <laughs> Cold weather to come. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's been a beautiful it's summer. Good. And how's everything in oh. Florida? Um, everything's good. Sounds like we're getting some type of a hurricane this is coming up in this next week. But um, in the horse world, everything's good. It's been a little warm at some of the shows down here. Um, I've noticed that the Wellington Circuit is still there's still a lot going on down here, which I'm very excited about because that means it's going more year round. <laughs> um, awesome. And personally, my um, child just turned one years old on Saturday, so. Um, we had a little party for her, which was really fun. Wow, that doesn't seem possible. My goodness. I know. It was just a year ago. We were out in the world. Everyone was in the World of Question Games, and I was at home and waiting for my baby to come. <laughs> yes. Oh, I remember it well. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's been busy up here. Um, still working. I think I mentioned last time I took a position with Dover Saddlery here in the uh, Albany, New York area, so I'm enjoying that part-time, and I've had some time to work with my horse and compete, and we're getting ready for the regional championships that are coming up in Region 8 in a few weeks, and that's been really fun. So, yeah, it's it's been busy. I know in the in the para world we've had riders we've had riders in Europe they went over to France we've had riders all over um, sounds like everybody's doing really well and we're getting ready for the USF Paraquestrian Dressage National Championship and that's coming up at the end of October and that's going to be held in Katy Texas and right before that there's also a CPEDI three star occurring. And uh, so we're pretty excited about that. We're gearing up for next year, which is, of course, the um, Paralympics. Yeah, it's great to be reading about everybody working so hard to get to Texas and do the show and the nationals. And it's uh, it's an exciting time. So I wish everybody the best of luck and uh, hope to hear more about some everybody's training and what's going on. So I hope everybody keeps sharing yeah. things, especially since it'd be great. So coming up on our show as our first guest is the United States Equestrian Federation's um, new director of, or the sport director, um, Will Connell. And we're excited to have him on and talk to us a little bit about the Centers of Excellence, which has just gotten started in the paradressage world. And he's also going to tell us a little bit about his background because he has this amazing, wonderful background that 
from the uh, British Equestrian Federation, and uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. We have Will Connell on the line tonight with Routine and myself. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And how are you? We're doing well. So um, we're excited to have you on. You are the um, sport director for the United States Equestrian Federation, and it's a relatively new position for you. But um, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of where you, you came from? Yeah, so I joined the USES uh, last October. Um, for the 11 years prior to that, I worked for the British Equestrian Federation in Great Britain as the performance director, looking after the world-class program. The world-class program is funded by UK Sport, Rotary Funding, and looks after the what would probably be called in the States the high-performance programs for three Olympic and one Paralympic uh, equestrian disciplines. So I was there really from before Athens Olympic and Paralympic Games through to after the World Equestrian Games in Normandy last year. Before that, I was in the Army for 17 years and spent quite a bit of time in London with a mounted unit called the King's Troop that uh, basically pulls guns around with horses and fires all the Royal Fleet. Nice. Wow. That sounds great. Pretty impressive. So how are you liking your new position, uh, your relatively new position with USEF, and um, are you finding anything more challenging than others at the moment? Well, I think the, some of the challenges are very similar. Um, how the USEF has grown and evolved with affiliates is very similar to how the British Federation has grown and evolved with the member bodies. I think the biggest challenge over here in the States is the geography. I mean, it's uh, you, know, you fly across Europe and the first time that you fly from one side of the States to the other, it's, it's a massive landmass to try and develop programs and to bring people together and generate effective communication. So I think I think the landmass is is a big challenge, um, but perhaps brings other opportunities. I think the, the generosity of people in America to get behind the program, to get behind an idea or to get behind an idea is is very different from the from probably the rest of the world and it's fantastic. I mean the generosity of the People that donate to the foundation is is well. We're kind of reliant on it for the programs, along with the funding we get from the federation, the sponsors, and the and the United States Olympic Committee. So, I think in there are some challenges here. I think you know when we get on and talk about power question charge, we've we've got a we've got a big hill to climb. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's there's there's a lot of similarities. Um, Clearly, you've taken our lovely English language and made changes to it, which catches me out. I still can't quite get used to having month, day, year instead of day, month, year, but those are little things I'm going to go. And what kind of big differences are you seeing between, um, you know, the the British team and what you did with them and the United States? Well, I think generally the 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 opportunities we had in Britain for getting everyone together, whether that was team staff, whether that was around research and development, whether that was around continued professional development, whether it was around squad sessions for athletes and the horses, that was a lot easier. A lot, lot easier. Um, 
and mm-hmm. so it gave us an opportunity for more centralized training and also you know i think we i think how certainly show jumping and eventing uh, developing and dressage in the states is very exciting when you look at uh, you know where we came from five years ago so there is still a need to to get to europe and compete against the very best and clearly if you're going from great britain to germany it's a short hop across the channel if you're going from the united states especially the west coast to germany it's uh you know, it's a seven, twelve-hour flight. So, so the, again, this, this geography comes into it. Like Britain, there's some fantastically talented riders in all the disciplines in America. There's obviously a lot bigger Western scene in America, which is very different to Europe. Um, we have some great owners. I don't think we probably have quite the young horse scene in America that there is in in Europe. And I would love to see across the across the um, Olympic disciplines and um, some of the non-Olympic disciplines, especially that developing and for more of our younger riders to learn how to ride younger horses. I think that's something we need to address uh, and work with our breeders on that. On the para-equestrian mm-hmm. side, Britain was at the very forefront of the development of the sport. And that that put them in a in a in a very good position. Of course, the riding for the disabled association in Britain is huge, uh, and that gave a good base for uh, for for riders with disabilities to to enjoy the therapeutic and the the enjoyment side of riding. And when para equestrian dressage grew, then it became the the avenue for um, those riders wanted to have a competitive career uh, uh, as well as enjoy riding. And um, I think that gave Great Britain a real advantage in para-equestrian dressage uh, and one that they're still enjoying. That said, you know, the rest of the world's catching up. Uh, and, and I think we have work to do in that area, and, and we might be talking about the centres of excellence in a minute. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there is, there's plenty of work to do to kind of link up the the therapeutic riding centers in America, which, you know, I'm fast learning are massive in number and, and, and geographic spread and linking them to paraquestrian dressage. So, yeah, a lot of similarities, uh, but a lot of challenges and, and I think a lot of opportunities. That's great. Now, can you, uh, Will, tell us a little bit, um, we've been hearing the term um, centers of excellence uh, around recently. Could you touch on that and explain um, to our listeners, what exactly that is? Yeah, so we kind of sat around the table and thought, with para equestrian dressage, how do we how do we help the sport grow in the states? How do we attract more owners? How do we attract more athletes? How do we identify athletes? How do we link athletes with the the horses most appropriate for them? How do we get um, athletes who want to compete in para equestrian dressage? linked up with coaches that you know really understand where the sport is going globally. As I said, in Britain, we used to do uh, a lot of our training and talent identification centrally, which just simply isn't possible here, is it? Um, so let's kind of think of, a, of another way. And it fast became clear that, as I said, there was this great network of PATH or CHA 
centres that were delivering fantastic support uh, to to people with disabilities who wanted to ride. And therefore, it seems sensible to try and overlay the states or overlay parts of the states initially with centres where we could channel our resource uh, into um, and they could reach out as centres in their state, in their local area. So by resource, I don't just mean money, of which we, we have some, we need more, a lot more, but coaching resource, communication resource, veterinary advice, um, physiotherapy advice. Instead of trying to reach around lots of small barns, have you know these kind work with owners of facilities that could develop a kind of modal network of centres where if people wanted to follow a competitive career and there's, there's no, you know, people can enjoy riding, they don't have to compete, um, that it became places they could go to and in time these centres would reach out into their regions and develop links with those organisations that are they're providing therapeutic riding opportunities so that, as I say, you know, if people want to compete, they don't, there's no pressure to compete. We're not saying competing is better than pleasure riding. Of course it's not. It's, it's, it's all part of the great tapestry that horses offer us. And so, so that's what we're trying to do. So we're launching, we've just launched the Centers of Event Excellence um, in partnership with the US um, PEA. And, um, yeah, I think what the US Paracrest Association will build is that real expertise. And we'll work with coaches and judges and training experts to try and, uh, once identified, work with these centers to help them develop a sort of three, three five, eight-year business plan. And then really, as I say, channel a resource through those centers so that, you know, if if someone has a, a uh, son or daughter with a disability and they're mad keen to compete on a horse, then they know where to go and they know they'll get good coaching and they know that, you know, we can discuss a, a four-year plan, eight-year plan for them to get them onto the podium because, uh, you know, a country this size, we, we should be we should be winning medals in paraquestion dressage. And I, I think paraquestion dressage and Paralympic medals are equally important as as Olympic or whatever medals, it's um, you know, Paralympic Games is a fantastic um, sporting event. Um, so we need to develop the sport further in this country, and and we felt this is the, the most effective way to do it. And I hope that also, you know, if, if there's a centre in Texas, let's say that that businesses and donors in Texas will be able to identify with their centre of excellence and support it financially because. In any sport, Paralympic, Olympic, non-Olympic, whatever it might be, in this day and age, if you want to win medals on the world stage, you need to be putting in place world-class programs. You can't just get up three weeks before the competition and go and win a medal. You know, you need to be looking at all the facets mm-hmm. of what it takes to win a medal. It's, it's hard work now. It's right. dedication. You know. So we, we've got to up our game, and we're going to try and do it for the centres of excellence. That's the path now that we're into reality. Well, that sounds like an ambitious and uh, wonderful plan. Um, can, you, can you tell us, have you met any of uh, the U.S. para riders around and about and where um, you might have met them and um, 
some of the relationships you might be starting to form? Yeah, I think one of the, you know, give out to one of your questions at the beginning, one of the, one of the differences for me, which, uh, I, I must know, I don't necessarily enjoy in the States is that A, because of the geography, B, because my job here has a far wider spec is I, I spend less time at, at, uh, competitions and training sessions than I probably did in the UK. Maybe that's, you know, because I'm new to a job and I'm still trying to get my head around everything and get the programs aligned and everything. I did go up to Maine for a for a for a session up there, which was great. It's a fantastic facility, and uh, met some really great people. Um, and obviously, I watched surreptitiously the the the, the riders in um, the American riders in the World Equestrian Games last year. Um, I'm not going to claim I know the riders personally. I don't. Um, but actually, that's that's not my job. You know, we have Lorene, who's a the director of paraquestrian at uh, the Federation with Kai's the head coach. There's, there's plenty of people whose job it is to be interacting with these riders on a day-by-day basis and the selectors. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, they're, the, they're, the, they're the kind of coal Unfortunately, I'm a bit further back from the coal face than maybe I was in uh, in uh, in the UK. But then I was there for 11 years, so it's very difficult to kind of project myself back to 2003 when I walked into the office and went, hey, straight what have I let myself in for? Um, so I hope over the years that, you know, I really want to get to, to meet the athletes uh, and not the athletes, the grooms, the owners, the parents, the trainers, everyone is part of this, this journey, this aim, uh, to, to win medals across all the FEI disciplines, the national breeds, you know, we won a gold medal in saddle seat this year, which was fantastic. Um, and as a nation, we should be aiming to but surely can't top of that metal tape. It's going to be challenging. You know, it's going to take time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Germans, the Dutch, and the British are all pretty strong at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to get out and meet people, but you can't build a house unless you build the foundations first. So I think the focus for the moment has got to be getting those foundations in. And, and we've got a lot of right. work to do. You know, we case development programs we need. Equine sports right. science and medicine programs. We're just about to launch the human sports science and medicine program. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do to really be, you know, challenging the the, the notions that are doing that and in time kicking their butts. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like uh, you're uh, on the right track, and I know um, the paraquestrian uh, in the United States and the athletes and all the supporters. Uh, Really appreciate uh, what you're going to be doing for for the for the sport and for our athletes, and we uh, look forward to working with you. Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls and licky things help combat stall boredom by providing your horse entertainment in the stall, while at the same time providing them with much needed minerals and nutrients not found in other treats. Uncle Jimmy's has training treats covered too with Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns. Every deliciously soft, squishy treat is individually wrapped for freshness, so your pockets won't get gummed up. Ask for Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls, Licky Things, and Squeezy Buns at your local tack and feed supplier, or you can go online to uncle-jimmies.com. Next, we'd like to welcome our next guest, and that would be Kathy Elm who is the CEO of PATH, which is the Professional Association of Therapeutic Horsemanship International. Well, thank you tonight for joining us, Kathy. We really appreciate your time. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Great. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about your um, your background and your equestrian background for our listeners? I would be happy to. Um, interestingly enough, my equestrian background is actually fairly limited. Uh, my my original background was in um, nonprofit uh, management, which was in live theater. And one oh. day, as I was going along in that career path, I'd, I'd been doing it for about 10 years, I said to myself, self, you know, the next logical step for me would be to become a managing director of a theater, and I don't really want to do that. What I want to do is take all of these wonderful skills that I've learned and uh, use them someplace I feel really passionate. And I took some time to figure out what that meant, and I realized that what that meant for me was somewhere where animals and people were working together. And then, to be honest, I got a little bit lucky, and I saw an ad for this place called Little Bit Therapeutic Writing Center. They were looking for an executive director, and I applied for that job and uh, felt the moment I walked through the doors, I felt like I had come home. And they took a risk on me, and I'm thrilled they did because it was a fabulous step in my life and, and, and for me. And as soon as I got the job, I immediately started taking horseback riding lessons. Um, so my equestrian experience essentially started about 16 years ago when I got the job at Little Bit Therapeutic Riding Center, started taking lessons and learning everything I possibly could about horses. Now, I will say, mind you, that um, as a child, I would have done anything to have a horse. Every picture mm -hmm. I ever drew had a horse in it. So <laughs> I, this is just like a dream come true. Oh, that's great. Not everybody gets to find that path, huh? Exactly. So tell us about um, what your responsibilities are at PATH. Well, as the um, CEO of PATH International, my responsibility is to make sure that I am leading the organization in the direction that, that the board of directors has set. And the board of directors is made up both of community people as well as membership, and they set the direction based on what membership tells them. What membership tells them is important. And so my job is to make sure that we are going in that direction and to make sure that all of the staff that are working towards that vision have the resources they need in order to accomplish that. Remind our listeners how long you've been in this position? Um, just a little bit over one year. And, oh, and okay. it's, been fan it, it, it's been fantastic. I, will, um, I, I feel like uh, my job at Little Bit Therapeutic Writing Center as executive director, I was there for 15 years. But while I was there as executive director, I volunteered for PATH International, and I held several volunteer positions, everything from region rep to an administrator's committee to serving on the board to being board president to leading the strategic planning process. Um, and I feel like all of that, both my work at Little Bit and then my work as a volunteer, really set me up uh, very, very well to step into this role, and I have been so excited to be here and to be doing this work, particularly because of the strategic plan and because of the vision and, and, and everything we're doing to further this industry of equine-assisted activities and therapies. And you had been talking about, um, you ran a large facility in Washington yes. State, and can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? About 
uh, about Littlebit or about running the facility? Well, really, tell me about how, with Littlebit, how um, that has helped you run, you know, run a large facility. Um, so, you know, that I getting the job at Littlebit was the first dream come true, to be honest, because um, I don't really know any other way to say it than recognizing that I had found my people, I had found my community, and that community is made up of incredible writers, people, the participants that are participating in the program, their, their families, their, their siblings, their parents, their guardians, the volunteers that make the work actually happen, um, as well as the staff and the donors. And working in that environment, really getting to understand what it means to provide this service, how important this service is to children and adults living with disabilities, how life-changing it is, uh, to really get an understanding of that from the on-the-ground level, to see it firsthand every single day, and then to look to PATH International, who sets the standards and credentials the professionals providing that service and understanding the importance of PATH setting those standards and of our professionals on the ground following those standards to make sure the participants are getting safe and quality services. So what has your um, involvement been so far or in your your quest here um, with para-equestrian discipline or, the, or just para-dressage um, in particular? Um, so my, uh, both my education and involvement started with a little bit Therapeutic Writing Center. Um, we had, during my time there, we had two different riders that were on that path uh, to become a, a, a para-equestrian. And I tell you, um, there, were, there were some amazing tangible and intangible benefits to supporting a, a participant on that path. You know, the tangible benefits included things like, of, of course, the incredible progress that individual rider made, but it also included in amazing PR for the, for the center, as well as really great fundraising opportunities. Um, the intangible benefits that honestly kind of give me goosebumps whenever I talk about them are, are things like watching this entire community embrace and encircle these riders as they were on their quest. And the hope these writers gave the other writers. So little bit at the time was probably serving uh, somewhere between 175 and 200 writers a week. And the wow. hope those writers got watching the writer trying for the Paralympics. I mean, I can't tell you how many of those writers called her their hero. That's the part that gives me goosebumps. Because they looked at her, they watched what she was doing, and they were like, oh, maybe I can do that. And I know recently we were, we've were we been discussing um, the Centers of Excellence, and we just had Will Connell on the line with us from the United States Equestrian Federation. And the USF and the USPEA have released um, the Centers of Excellence, which are seeking existing equestrian training facilities to serve as pipeline for paratissage. How do you see PATH being a part of all of this? Well, first of all, let, let me say that I'm, I'm very excited that they're doing this. I'm very excited that they're getting that kind of focus um, bec because I think it would be just tremendous 
for centers of excellence to be created and, and have a pipeline. Um, how I see PATH uh, participating is helping to get the word out, helping to make sure that our centers know um, that this exists and that this is a possibility. Um, you know, I, I, I will caution a little bit uh, that having run a center, even a center that had uh, a, a candidate, um, it, it is it is challenging for our centers because, of course, they are very focused on simply being able to provide the services that they are already trying to provide. So this adds another layer that layer, excuse me, that can be challenging for them to find time and resources to do. Um, however, I also have seen, I think, I'm seeing an increase, um, uh, an increase in, in appreciation and interest in competition, such as just recently with the Special Olympic uh, Games in L.A., and we had a, a couple of centers participating in that. Can you tell us about any big initiatives at PATH that you are leading as CEO or any other exciting things going on particularly? Absolutely. I'm really excited that um, what came out of the strategic plan, and, and, and the reason I keep referencing that is because that strategic plan was driven by our members. Uh, what's important? What do, you, what do you want us to be doing? What do you want us to focus on? And what came back loud and clear was credentialing, quality assurance, and education. And so one of our big initiatives is to uh, really look at our, our credentials and, and get our credentials accredited, follow best practices to ensure that our credentials are the highest level, highest quality standard they possibly can be. So right now we're, we're um, right starting to begin a job analysis on our registered instructor credential which will give us outside uh, um, credibility to what that credential stands for and what that test looks like. So that's one. Number two is the quality assurance. Um, we have uh, already formed a quality assurance uh, task force that is overseeing increasing our quality assurance, doing things like making sure that our continuing education uh, units for our instructors are what they should be and that being much more clear about we'll accept this for continuing education but not this for you to keep continue with your credential. We've also um, put together a grievance process so that we members and everybody have a way to make sure that, that we are uh, upholding each other and holding each other to the standards that PATH has uh, set out. And last but certainly not least is education, really focusing on making our, edu our education accessible to all of our members. So there's an emphasis on more webinars, for example, because you know, it's harder and harder for people to travel somewhere to get their education. But having webinars available means that people are able to get their education more easily and, and more accessible. So those are the three big initiatives that, that we are currently focused on. Wow, that's really that's really great, Kathy. And um, what else are you seeing for the future? Um, and what I want to know is, with Kath and with Paradisage and and with everything involved, do you see anything else in the future that you're looking forward to? I would really love to see Paradisage be very successful to get a pipeline of uh, participants and competitors and really raise the bar all across the country 
and ultimately, you know, all the way, all, all the way to the Paralympics. And I would love to see a way for our centers to participate in that. I think, uh, although I think that may be a little bit of a slower road, I, w- I would love to see that because I know firsthand the benefits of having a, a para-equestrian as part of your center. Um, so I, I would love to see, see more of that as, as we go forward. Yeah, wonderful goal. Because um, we all know it's not easy and some things take longer than others. Um, but your information and everything you've told us just uh, sounds wonderful. And it seems like you're doing a fantastic job. And, you know, it takes everybody doing all their parts to be successful in our paradressage programs and are right up to the, you know, <clears throat> your local paradressage right up through high performance. And it does take a little bit of everybody doing a little bit of something. So I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much for speaking with us. And I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate all you've uh, shared with us. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at DressageRadio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Learn more about para-dressage and other para-equestrian disciplines at USPEA.org. And thanks to our sponsors who make this show possible, Uncle Jimmy, Total Saddle Fit, and listeners like you. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Or you can listen on our free app for Android or iOS. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And of course, you can always listen via iTunes. We'd like to thank both our guests tonight for a very interesting and enlightening show. Looking forward to seeing you all next month.